you take your Bibles with me? Do not turn to 1 Corinthians. Turn to Romans. Romans chapter 1. Man, I'm excited to start a new series. We finished the book of 1 Corinthians. Anybody want to take a guess how many lessons I had in the book of 1 Corinthians? Anybody want to take a guess? I'm, I'm going to have to even check that now, now that I say that. No guesses? 365 is not correct. 365 is not correct. I had 53 lessons. So over the course of, I think, two or three years. I actually started the book of 1 Corinthians on Wednesday nights before I ever took over as pastor. So that's been two and a half years now. And uh, so we, obviously things happened, all kinds of different things happened, but nonetheless, right? So we are going to be in the book of Romans and I uh, hope this will be a help to you and a blessing to you. And uh, I've entitled the series just simply Rescued. Rescued. The book of Romans is an incredible book. And it talks about sin. And it talks about our rescue from sin. And how God is, is so involved in that. And everything God does. And how it's all written from the beginning of the world even till now. But one of the greatest things about God is that He loved us. So much that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What an awesome thing to think about. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right into the book of Romans. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Father, we have so much to be grateful for. You've truly allowed us so many wonderful things in this life, but Father, most of all, you've allowed us salvation. We have an eternal home in heaven. We have assurance of that today because of your shed blood. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins and rescuing us from our sin. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said before, the greatest thing about God is that he loved us so much that he would be willing to give his son. You see, God made a way for us to pass from death unto life. He made it possible for sinners to receive righteousness. His precious blood as a lamb without blemish and without spot was shed for us. Again, powerful thought. We, we no longer have the debt of sin because the debt has been paid for. We are free, and the Bible says free indeed. The truth has made us free. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the truth. He is the Word. He is the truth and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but have been made alive. We can now be made alive because of Jesus Christ. We who had no hope now look for the blessed hope. And Titus, we were wretched, vile sinners. And now we are justified. The old saying is, just as if I'd never sinned. Just justified. We are made righteous from his shed blood. He rescued us. We were completely and utterly drowning in our sins. But he came and reached out his nail-scarred hand and rescued us. We were sinking, if you will, in the miry clay, and he lifted us up out of that miry clay and set our feet on the rock. Man, I'm thankful for that. 
And this is the story of the book of Romans. Romans is written to perpetuate this thought. Romans was written in the late A.D. 50s. Okay, if I said the 50s, you would think the 1950s, all right? No, the first century 50s. It was written in the late 50s. And Romans was written by a man named Paul. We see that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, at first reading, you may think, well, what a wonderful introduction. That's nice. Let's keep moving. But I want to just stop here because the reality is there are so much packed into this first verse that leads us into the next several chapters, really into the book of Romans. Listen, Paul, think about the name Paul. What was his name before? Saul. It was changed. Paul was a changed man. Paul from Strong's Dictionary, the name means, guess what? Little. Sorry, Paul. Name means little. So Paul, who, or Saul, excuse me, who was doing all kinds of amazing things for himself, God gives him the name of Paul, little. You're nothing big. You're just little. I just need someone who's humble. I just need someone who's small. Listen, Paul is a changed man. Paul was no longer Saul. In fact, Philippians chapter 3, which by the way, again, shameless plug, we're studying through the book of Philippians in our small groups. If you're not a part of small groups, please be a part of one. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says this about Paul. He, giving his own autobiography, says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and a Hebrew of the Hebrews, has touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So Paul had all of these things going for him. He was such a good outside, uh, uh, according to the law. He was a good man. In fact, the religious leaders looked at him and said, wow, we want him on our side. And in fact, they began to use him. And they are the ones who commissioned him on the road to Damascus. But this man had a change in his life. This man was rescued. Something happened that changed Paul's life. Let's go and look at it. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 3. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. The Bible says this. And as he, he being Paul or Saul, excuse me, you can see that in verse 1. He came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. <laughs> At least it's the Bible. <laughs> Let's start over, shall we? <laughs> For those of you online watching, somebody's phone just started reading the Bible out loud. Verse 3, and he, as he, he is Saul, you see that in verse 1, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You see, something here in Acts chapter 9 changed Saul into Paul. Something rescued him from the direction that he was going, from the zealousness that he had for persecuting not the church, but Jesus Christ himself. Paul was changed. He was rescued. He was on his way to Damascus as a persecutor, but he arrived there as a preacher. He was on his way to Damascus as an adversary to Jesus Christ, but he arrived as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was on his way to Damascus as a slayer of Christians, but he arrived as a servant. That is the change that Jesus Christ can make. That is the change that Jesus Christ has had in some of your lives. That is the change that Jesus Christ can make in you. Paul was a changed man. Notice, though, that Paul was not just rescued from something. He was rescued for something. He was not just rescued from something. He was rescued for something. Let's see that here in Romans chapter 1. Go back there, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Watch, here it is. Separated unto the gospel of God. He was not just rescued from his sin, but he was rescued for a purpose to be separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me be extremely clear with you tonight. God did not just rescue us from sin. God did not just rescue us from sin. He rescued us so that we might be ambassadors for Him. That's half the problem. See, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. He did that for us, absolutely. But he didn't do it just to save you and give you an eternal home in heaven. He did that so that you would tell someone else. In fact, if you think about the maniac of Gadara, what is the first thing that the maniac of Gadara does when Jesus rids him of these demons? He falls down on his knees and he begs God, let me go with you. What does Jesus tell him? No, no, no. This is my version, okay? No, no. You go and you be a witness and you tell everybody what I did for you. You see, the reality is most of us get saved and we're like thankful that we have fire insurance. Thankful that we no longer have to live and dead to our sins. But listen, so often we don't want to do what God has called us to do. We want to do what we want to do. And yes, we're happy for that. But listen, God has called you for something. He rescued us to do something for Him. It might be that we just start out by being a disciple. It might be that we take some time and we learn and we study under Jesus. 
I mean, the disciples themselves, the apostles themselves spent some time as disciples. Three and a half years, they walked and they talked with Jesus. In that time, sure, they would go out and they would talk to different people. But man, did they fail a lot, didn't they? Why could we not cast that demon out? Because you didn't have the faith. Howbeit this cometh not but by prayer and fasting. You see, many times they would try to do things while they were following Jesus. It was they were a disciple for a while, but after Jesus Christ died and he went back to heaven after 40 days of walking on this earth after his death and resurrection, then he commissions them. So listen, you might have to study for a while. You might have to study for a while, but this is not a 40-year-long study, okay? You will always learn, but God has called us to something. Notice with me and jump down to verse 7. Paul is telling us who the book of Romans is written to, to all that be in Rome. Hence the name why it's called Romans, okay? Beloved of God, here it is, watch this, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question, what is a saint? What is a saint? It is not a really good person that did a lot of nice things for mankind, which the Catholic Church would like us to believe. Okay, we're going to, they are a saint because they did such wonderful things for mankind. Listen, I'm not saying they're they're not good people, but that's not the biblical definition of a saint. A saint is a sanctified one. A sanctified one. Sanctified for what? Set aside for a particular purpose. A saint is someone who's set aside for our particular purpose, set apart, called to something specific. Notice the phraseology. Called to be saints. I've called you to be something for me. So I ask you again, what has God called you to? What has God called you to? What is God tugging at your heartstrings right now to do? I guarantee that he has not called you to sit in a pew or sit in a lawn chair or for those that are online, sit in a couch or a lazy boy. Listen, he has not called us just to sit here and take in. He's called us to be hearers of the word, yes, but doers also. We've got to do something. God has called us to do something for Him. Most of us just want to sit there on a couch and receive His blessing. But God has called you to give your life to Him. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that what? You present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God. Why? This is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants you to do something with your life. So let me ask you, what is it that God has called you to do? Listen, I wish I could tell you what God has called you to do. Trust me, I wish I could. But that's not for me. I can aid you, I can help you. Our pastoral staff can aid you and help you. There's some older saints 
called, set apart, that, man, they know what God has called them. They can help you through that process. You need to get good, wise counsel. They can help you. But only between you and God, God is calling you to do something. What is it? Let's continue. Look at verse 2. This is in parenthetical thought to separate it unto the gospel of God. Watch verse 2. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel of God was promised before by the Holy Prophets. The gospel of God was promised before the Holy Prophets. You say, well, uh, okay. Listen, this is an incredibly important piece of information. Maybe not to us, but to the Romans it was. To the church at Rome, it was an incredibly important piece of information. Why? Because Paul is not teaching them some new doctrine that he just pulled out of the air. He's not going to teach them about soteriology, which is the study of salvation. He's not going to talk to them about anthropology, which is the study of man and how bad we are and the sin that corrupts us just because he pulls it out of the air. Listen, God has been talking about this since before the world began. We will see that he even incorporates the Old Testament into this doctrinal rich book. But Paul is again speaking of the gospel. This gospel is not something that anyone picked up on, interestingly enough. We could spend, maybe we'll go through a few things here, but this gospel is not something that anybody picked on. In fact, the Bible tells us, Paul says that it was hid. It was hid. But it is written all throughout the Old Testament prophets. Let's have some fun, shall we? Let's do a Bible study. Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 20. Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 20. Get your fingers limbered up because we're going to turn a lot here. Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 20. The Bible says this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. It's been revealed. Watch now. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So no, it's been hidden, this righteousness which can come without the law. It's God's righteousness. It's been hid, but now it's being made manifest. But it was witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference in verse 23, very famously, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reality here is this, that this gospel was made known by the holy prophets, but it has been hid. But now with Paul, it is being made manifest. Go to Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Romans 16 and verse 25. By the way, if I go too fast for you, you can't get all these written down, I gladly share my notes with you. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. The Bible says this. Now, 
to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Interesting word, mystery. A mystery is something that has been hidden. We don't know what it is, but it's been hidden. We can't figure it out. We've tried to crack it, but it's a mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Look at verse 26. But now it's made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. You see, there is something, this gospel of Jesus Christ that was hidden from the world since the world began, but it was made manifest. It was made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And verse 7. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7. Galatians 3 and verse 7, the Bible says this, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, notice this, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Whoa! So if you have faith, you are a child of Abraham. Verse 8, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So even Abraham had this talked about. We'll, t- we'll, we'll take a look at this in just a second. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. If you were here for the 1 Corinthians series, you would have uh, been, we would have touched on this a little bit. If you were in the Colossians series, you would have heard a little bit about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. The Bible says this. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, watch this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So had they known about it, had it not been hidden, they would have never crucified Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. The Bible says this, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, Lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to, the, to Israel, watch, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Romans chapter 11 is all about, and we're going to spend a whole lot of time here. Romans chapter 11 is all about how 
Israel as an olive branch is being cut off and a wild olive branch, the Gentiles, is being grafted into the olive tree. Grafted in. Powerful illustration of what God has done. He's blinded Israel for a time until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The mystery, Ephesians chapter 3. By the way, I challenge you, take some time, type in mystery in your word search program or your Strong's Concordance. Do a study on this. This is just a very small piece. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3. This tells us what the mystery is. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, just a few chapters before. Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Notice verse 6. What is it? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. I read all of those verses to draw you to this point. The point that Jesus Christ died on the cross. No longer did you have to become a Jewish proselyte. You didn't have to convert to Judaism. All you had to do was believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whether you are Jew or Greek, whether you are bond or free, whether you are male or female, listen, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ has opened up the walls of salvation to all mankind, to Jew and Gentile. No longer are the Jews God's chosen people. Listen, anybody who comes to Jesus Christ can have an opportunity. I don't know if anybody's Jewish here tonight. But if you are not Jewish, that means you are a Gentile. And because of this mystery that was written aforetime, before the world began, being now revealed to Paul, we can have salvation. We can be made free. We can be rescued from our sin. But we can spend a lot of time here. As to Now, this is why the Pharisees were so confused. This is why even the disciples were so confused. Hey, wilt thou now establish thy kingdom? <laughs> they missed it. No, no, it's not about the kingdom here on this earth. It's about the kingdom of God, the one that I'm building, the, the one where I will build many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You see, Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that all, whosoever will, may come. Man. Praise the Lord that we have the opportunity to be rescued. But you say, why is this so important? This is not something that was just planned on kind of a, well, it's not working out with Israel, so let's, let's try something else. No, listen, this was planned from before the foundation of the world. It was written about in the prophets. That's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 1 and verse 2. It was already written about in the prophets. Why is that important? It was hinted all the way through, most notably in Isaiah chapter 53. 
In fact, let's go there. In fact, don't go to Isaiah 53, go to Isaiah 52. Isaiah, one of what we would call a major prophet. A major prophet because his book is really long. Isaiah chapter 52. Notice the last couple of verses here, verse 13. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13, and see if you can understand who this is talking about. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him for that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. It's just going to be plain. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generations? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Then thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Wow. That's Jesus Christ. That's not even the king, the Messiah. Listen, that's, that's, that's not who they thought was coming. This is somebody different. To somebody who would be hurt, buried, take the transgression of all the people on him. That could only mean Jesus Christ the rescuer, Jesus Christ the Savior. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. 
Adam and Eve sin. God comes to them, begins talking to them. We know this is talking about Jesus. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. We know that now. That's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. In Genesis. Because, listen, did not Satan bruise the heel of Jesus? Absolutely. Satan thought he had won. Satan rises up in victory when Jesus says, it is finished, and he put, they put him in the ground. I won, I won. And three days later, the horror coming over the face of Satan. Oh, no. He's not dead. He rose again. Praise the Lord, he rose again. But listen, he crushed the head of Satan. Satan hath no power. Satan hath no dominion over him anymore. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 is the direct correlation to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8 about Abraham. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. The Bible says this, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Again, we don't picture this as a big deal. Maybe Abraham didn't even picture it as a big deal. He didn't know necessarily that this was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. But because of Abraham and from his seed came Jesus Christ. And guess what? All nations of the earth are blessed and can be blessed. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 you say, Pastor Yomans, are you going to read every Christological passage in the Old Testament? No. I just want to hit the highlights. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. What was Jesus' name in Matthew chapter 1? Emmanuel. I shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22 and verse 1. Psalm 22 and verse 1. It's a psalm of David. The Bible calls David a prophet. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, he continues, but jump down to verse 14. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me unto the dust of death for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots Upon my vesture, listen, there are so many more. But Paul is pointing out the fact that yes, all the way through the Bible, even the Old Testament prophets, 
This was not just something that popped up in the mind of God on a whim. It was something that he had been planning since the foundation of the world. The Gentiles would have an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they would have an opportunity to accept what Jesus Christ had done since the foundation of the world. Now listen. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about this in the next several weeks. About how the Gentiles have received this wonderful, powerful blessing. We will walk through many of these exact circumstances to which men and women realize their need of salvation. They are sinful. They are desperately wicked. But the righteousness of God but the righteousness of God has been given to them by faith. But I want you to understand this morning that this gospel is for all men. Let me, let me say that again. This gospel is for all men. You see, here's the reality of the situation in Christians. We get in this same boat. We get in the same boat as the Jews. Well, we're something special. We are God's chosen people. And we have our traditions. And we have the things that we enjoy doing. And we have the things that we have made up in order to keep people from sinning. And we follow the law to a team. We are all good on the outside. But Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 23, ye are hypocrites. The reality is we sit comfortable in our pews. We sit comfortable in our homes. We sit comfortable with our fire insurance and say, well, I'm saved. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we forget that the gospel is for all men. For everyone. For every ethnicity. Listen, we, we, I have heard so many times over the last couple of weeks getting calls from BPS that Christianity is a white man's religion. Friend, it is not. It is for every person. And the reason that that is being said is because we have portrayed it that way. We have portrayed it that way. Listen, the gospel is for every man. This is not just for some or for people that we think are worthy. Well, he's too far gone. Well, they would never get saved. The gospel's for everyone. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Again, some may look like creatures to you. But it's for everyone. Everyone. This gospel plan from the foundation of the world talked about in the Holy Prophets, talked about in Psalms, talked about in Genesis, all given for the sole purpose of Jesus Christ to come so that all might know. One thing that God has called us to, one thing that God has called us all to, is to let other people know about His operation to rescue all men. Do you know that God's in the operation or God's in the business of rescuing all men? Not just some. 
There will be some, we'll talk about it. We'll get there. But there will be some that teach that there are only a select few that are chosen. That's not what the Bible says. For God so loved the world. God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants every single person to come to repentance. Every single person. Why do you think Jesus died on the cross in the first place? For all. It wasn't just for Jew. It wasn't just for Gentile. It, just, it wasn't just for black. It wasn't just for white. It was for all. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. We're not allowed to sing it this way anymore, but red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Promised from the world, from the foundation of the world. God has an operation to rescue all men, to bring them out of darkness into his marvelous light, to bring them out of bondage into everlasting life. And just because he did it with you doesn't mean he's finished. God wants every single person. My challenge to you is simple this week. My challenge to you is simple. Who are you going to tell the gospel to this week? I didn't ask you to bring them to church. I, I didn't ask you to make sure they get saved. Who are you going to give the gospel? Who are you going to tell the gospel to this week? The good news. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1 and finish this off. Romans chapter 1. Now, instead of Paul, I want you to put your name in there. So for me, it'd be Johnny, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Now, I'm not an apostle, but I am called and separated unto the gospel of God, which he promised. Had promised a four by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And listen, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Listen, every one of us ought to be a servant of God. Every one of us ought to be separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been rescued so that we can tell other people how to be rescued. Hey, I know you're struggling with this. Hey, I know you're drowning. Let me introduce you to somebody who can rescue you. That's all we do. That's all we do. Throw out the lifeline. Jesus is the life. The way, the truth, and the life. He's the life preserver, not us. Our job is just to throw out the lifeline. I challenge you this week, and I challenge you this week, this week, who are you going to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you again for your powerful word and the reminder that it is 
that, Father, that you didn't just come up with this on a whim. Father, you've been planning this since before the world began. That every, every person would have an opportunity to hear your word. Father, I believe this with with all my heart, Father, that there are people that will listen to this, that you will convict, that you will challenge to give their lives for you as a missionary to a foreign land. Father, please don't let them walk away from that. Father, you may not call us to be a missionary to a foreign land, but Father, would you help us to be a missionary in our community? Would you help us to talk to our neighbors? Would you help us to talk to those people that may be less fortunate, down and out? I don't know. Father, you convict us. You show us. Allow your Holy Spirit to open up the door of utterance that we might be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And Father, we pray that you convict us constantly over that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.